the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, reading in the book of Galatians, all that we have with uh, salvation and God's love and God's grace kind of reminds me of something I read about Charles Spurgeon one time. Uh, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Devotions is such a good book. And talking about staying encouraged in the knowledge of God's love for us, Charles Spurgeon once wrote this. He said, come Christian, sing even in the midst of tribulation. Rejoice even while passing through the furnace. Hope in God. Now listen to this. Mountains, even when hidden, are as real as they are in the day. And God's love is as true to you now as it was in thy brightest moments. Well, with that, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And you are listening to the American Family Radio Network, and we are in the book of Galatians. And Bert, part of the reason I wanted to open with that, mountains, even when hidden by darkness, are as real as they are in the day. God's love for us and our standing as his children, his heirs, as Galatians 4 says, it's real and it's untouched by the noise of present circumstances, isn't it? It is. It is real, and it is to be one that is to live by faith. And uh, so that's what you find in the book of Galatians. You find these people who were trying to hoodwink uh, believers into not believing they had all that they had in Christ, this liberty. The last uh, two chapters is going to deal a lot with that liberty. Not the liberty to do what you want, as someone said, but the liberty to do what you ought, O-U-G-H-T. And Mm. so, Alex, uh, notice what Paul does in the latter part of of chapter 4. And, well, he does it in the middle and the latter part. Notice he calls them brethren. But over in verse 19, notice what he does. This sounds a little lot like John, my little children. You know, uh, John was, you know, that again and again. He said, I have no greater joy than my little children or my children walk in faith. But this, my little children. And notice what else he says, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Uh, that The pictures that you see in this uh, one verse is, is just beyond measure. But he says, I right. labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Can't you right. see that child in the womb being formed? You know, it says in the in the in the womb, God knit us together, and He is saying, "Listen, God has knit you together spiritually as well as physically, and you know it's time for you to live that way." So Paul was really showing them a word picture here, I think. Yes, and verse nineteen of Galatians chapter four. I mean, Paul is so committed to their spiritual welfare, he says, I travail in birth again till Christ be formed in you. In other words, if if we need to go over this again, we can do it. I'll reiterate, but I'm not going to not going to rest until I know for sure that you all are straight on what it means to be a Christian. Now, that is committed evangelist, minister, shepherd, isn't it? It is. And listen, I, I, that's what Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep. You know, 
Uh, can you remember when Jesus told him that three different times there in John 21? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And here he is saying, man, I, uh, that's what he told Peter. And here Paul is kind of living up to that, what he told Peter to do. And, G- and Paul is doing it for these Galatians saying, listen, you're, I'm not finished yet. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to make sure you know. And notice what it says in 20. I would like to present with you now and to change my tone for I have doubts about you. He said, mm. man, I don't like what I'm doing. Have you ever heard? I don't know if your parents ever said this as they were disciplining you. This hurts me more than it hurts you. And, you know, uh, and I got, I, Bert, I have to tell you, I found that hard to believe. <laughs> my, but my daddy would say this. And yeah. my mom, my mother would say, and uh, this is maybe something like Paul was saying in Galatians 4.20, but my mom would say, don't make me raise my voice. Yeah, yeah. And if, if she played that card, I knew I, I better get straight, you know. Yeah, and it was time. Paul was saying this. Listen, I, I don't enjoy doing this. this is, he doesn't enjoy writing a letter that is so corrective and difficult and harsh in some manner. And uh, he did it in Corinthians. And no, he said he'd rather write a letter like he did to the Philippian church, Uh, you know, and uh, that's I rejoice in the Lord. I thank God for you. That's when Paul, he loved that. But it takes both, you know. Uh, Wasn't it Paul that told Timothy, reprove, you know. Uh, But he also said encourage, exhort, you know. So it takes both, doesn't it? Well, it does, and you know, as ministers and and even as as Christians to, with friends, as we care about, I think about Second Timothy three sixteen. It says, "All Scripture is given by God, God breathed, and He's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting." Some translations will say for correction and reproof. Now, we know that correction is when we're you know we're off and something needs to be made right. Reproof speaks of how the Word of God um, analyzes and, uh, you know, refutes or uh, affirms. Now, um, the Bible says Jesus is the Savior, and if we say that's right, He is the Savior, well, that's an affirmation that our belief is correct. But like some of the cults that say, well, Jesus was only a wise teacher, but not really the Son of God, the cults say, well, no, the Bible says uh, no, Jesus is God incarnate, not just a good man, but the Son of God. So Scripture reproves people, corrects people, and sometimes our ministry in the lives of others is to lovingly correct and reprove also, isn't it? It is, and and so that's, that's what a good pastor does. I've shared this several times, uh, you know, the prophetic role of the pastor and the priestly role of the pastor. Uh, that pastor prophetic, and I'm by that I mean forth telling truth. That many times is correction. That is that points direction, and then the priestly part, the caring part of taking taking our cares to the Lord. And so, if you're a pastor, fulfill both of those, and you do that by just opening the Word and preaching the Word. Uh, that will happen if you do it. Alex, as he turns the corner here in verse 21, he kind of reverts back what he did in chapter 2 when he, in 1 and 2 when he referred to the Old Testament again and again and again. And all of a sudden, to try to get this into their minds, he's going back to the illustration of Abraham with his wife Sarah and 
Hagar the handmaiden and talking mm-hmm. about the son of promise and then the son that was not of promise. It was one that was uh, not promised of the, but his own making. And so the bond woman and the free woman and the whole idea here in the last part of chapter chapter four is saying that, listen, which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the son of promise or are you going to be that of the bond woman? And, and Paul makes his statement. That's the, isn't that the beautiful picture of, of what we have in Christ that we're set free and we are the children of promise? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, um, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael, I mean, this is such an appropriate illustration. Uh, and this is worth going through in, in some depth because I want to submit to you, by the time we get to verse 29, there is, I think, an incredible Bible prophecy that we've seen fulfilled in our own lifetimes. But verse 22 says, For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondmaid, that was Ishmael, and the other by a free woman. Now that was Isaac and Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Now, Bert, uh, am I correct here in looking at verse 23? If you're trying to get to heaven by your works and by keeping the law allegedly, that's like the bondwoman. But the free woman, Sarah, and they were trusting God, had made a promise, uh, and Isaac was born. Um, That's like faith. We're we're trusting what God says to do, not taking matters into our own hands. You're exactly right, and he continues that, and I think even um, points that out in verse 24, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, is in the bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Now, Alex, I agree with you fully, Mm. and that just completely, I think, says, yes, that is exactly what it is. And, And again, notice, you're free. This is what Paul is driving home here. And, f- and works are of this earth. Yeah. But Jerusalem, really which is free, which is the mother of us all. That's just so beautiful. The Jerusalem above. Notice how that corresponds. The Jerusalem down here, which there's still, the temple was still there and trilled doing it, you know. But the Jerusalem or the temple above, Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, you know? And so it's it gives freedom, and that's the whole idea that Paul is trying to get these Galatians not to follow these Judaizers that are false teachers. And and listen, it is so easy to want to add works to salvation, and you know it. it it's almost like the gospel is so simple. Sometimes people maybe overcomplicate it or even almost miss it, but. Let me say, it is just that free um, that you put your faith in Jesus. Now, we grow, we, we serve, we want to become more and more Christ-like, we want to be conformed to what the, the Bible says, but in terms of you being forgiven, being born again, saved, it honestly is that simple that you admit your sin, you recognize Jesus as the Son of God, and you put your faith in Him and you ask Him, and you know, Bert, I have found, it, listen, it's not 
it's not flowery words or, or God's not waiting for you to be uh, you know, eloquent or bring some speech. Just call out to Jesus. And if you will ask Christ to save your soul, He'll do it. He'll do it. He wants to. That's the whole idea. God's not wanting to punish you. God's not wanting to keep you away. He wants you to come unto him. Jesus said it, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times I would have taken you under my wings as a mother hen takes her cheeks, but you would not. Uh, Jesus, again, desires this relationship. And notice again, he goes back to the Old Testament with in Isaiah and, and it says this, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout. You are not in you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children. Now again, now we brethren, I think verse twenty, uh, is it twenty six there or twenty eight? Now we brethren, as Isaac was our children of promise. We Amen. are. Amen. Don't step back into works. Don't follow Hagar and, and Ishmael. Don't be barren. It has produced fruit. Don't don't go back. He's going to get over in the next chapter. He's going to say, don't fall from grace. Now, he's not telling yeah. them don't get lost. He is saying, don't fall from living by grace through faith. Well, verse 29 is just amazing. Uh, it says, but then as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. When we come back, Bert, I want to unpack this a little bit because I, I, I happen to believe this is one of the most amazing verses in the New Testament. And so you're listening to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Stay tuned. More of Galatians when we come back, plus your phone calls and Bible questions live on today's edition of Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Dr. James Olthoff, Director and Acting Undersecretary of the National Institute of Standards and Technology. He promotes U.S. innovation and U.S. industrial competitiveness by advancing measurement science, standards, and technology. Leviticus 19.35 reminds us of the importance of accurate measurements. You shall do no wrong in judgment in measures of length or weight or quantity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Dr. James Altoff as he works to enhance economic security and improve our quality of life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible makes it clear that sinners don't get into heaven. It also says that all of us have sinned. Dr. Tony Evans says that would be a hopeless situation if not for what Jesus did. More about that today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. It is a substitutionary atonement. God allows substitutes. Temporarily in the Old Testament, but permanently in Christ. The verse that kind of gives you the summary of this is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There was a credit transfer. God took the perfect credit of Jesus, and he transfers the perfect credit score 
to the person who receives Christ. So even though you got a bad credit score, when God looks at you, he sees a perfect credit score. Your credit score is bad. Jesus' credit score is perfect. What God does is he transfers that credit score to your account. So that when he looks at you, it is as though you have never sinned, even though we all still sin, but because the credit score is perfect, we are acceptable to a perfect God because he's given us his perfect credit through his perfect son. That's good news. I got a bill that I don't have to pay for. Find out more about how that credit transfer works. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the link that says Jesus. Tony has a short video that explains everything you need to know and some free follow-up resources to get you started. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth? and put my life in my hands. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We're in the book of Galatians. We're finishing up chapter 4. And Alex, I, I shared this earlier. Before you go into verse 29, go back to verse 28. Brethren, there it is again. This whole, do you see him drawing these individuals in? He's reminding them, not only in some of the words, but in every way, I think he's reminding them of the relationship they have with Christ and the relationship they have with him, you know, and he is saying, listen, you don't need to leave this. You need to stay in there. And so that, that brings us to verse 29. You read it and you wanted to explain some more of that. Go ahead, brother. Well, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you know, September, uh, 2001, September, 2021, and, you know, 9-11 brought to the front page of the world's news uh, the conflict in the Middle East. And you've got Jews and Muslims. You've got the children of Isaac versus the children of Ishmael. And there was a very famous book by um, a Harvard professor who was a cabinet member of the Carter administration, Samuel Huntington. And th this book is an excellent book, very, very educational. It's called The Clash of Civilizations, and, it, and it's very fair and very biblical. But the bottom line, Huntington documents how for centuries, centuries, the, the Arabs have persecuted the Jews. Now, Muhammad was born in 571. Islam was started around 622. And literally, you know, for the last 1,400 years, um, Muslims have just been brutal and unrelenting in their persecution of the Jewish people. 
And even now, Bert, I want to say this. I'm going to come back to Galatians 4.29. Folks, listen to this. You know, I got to preach in Missouri over the weekend. I was flying back to North Carolina from St. Louis. And Bert, have you ever been on a plane and on the seat in front of you is a little screen and sometimes you can look at this screen and there'll be a map of America and you can see where the airplane is and how close you are to landing. You ever seen one of those? I did, especially those that's, uh, you know, transcontinental. You you really yeah. want them. Yeah, go ahead. So so I'm, you know, fiddling with the little screen and uh, you can swipe all over and see the world. And well, there's London and there's, you know, Amsterdam and Oslo and Brussels, Belgium and just Every country you've ever heard of, you you scroll in and all these little towns, you know, and I was looking at Europe and, you know, on a three-hour airplane ride, you do whatever you can do to stay occupied. I noticed, I scrolled over Israel and the name Israel didn't pop up. I mean, there clearly it was on the map. Every nation and hamlet and little town you can imagine was named they don't even, don't even put the word Israel on the computer. I mean, you think about this. And it, it's one thing to, if, if somebody is rude to somebody, but it's another thing to say, look, we're not even going to acknowledge that you exist. Now, back to Galatians 4.29, talking about anti-Semitism and the persecution of the Jews very often at the hands of the descendants of Ishmael. But then, as he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit even so it is now i mean even now this is when paul wrote this around 57 a.d of course it would be 500 more years before muhammad was born and islam would be founded but even at the time of paul the arabs were persecuting the jews and and it will be that way till the end of time but i and I don't want to get us off topic. We're talking about salvation. And we could make an allegory here how the flesh wars against the spirit and the old sinful nature will be in an arm wrestling match with the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Paul writes about that in Romans 7. But Bert, I would submit to you that Galatians 4.29 is an amazing verse because, friend, you cannot understand history unless you understand that uh, so much of everything about world history has been Abraham and the promise of our Savior and those who know the Lord and follow the Lord versus the fallen world. I mean, and that, that verse speaks volumes, doesn't it? It does, and you can't help but think of that. Your mind goes immediately to Nazism and what it did, the Third Reich, and uh, if you visit any of those prison camps that... Uh, the their Third Reich set up to to house and then kill so many people, most of them Jews. Uh, you you realize that and know that, Alex. It really is. Great. You and Jan went over there. Didn't yes, you? we did. We visited Auschwitz, and it was uh, one of the I I don't know how to say it. One of the most moving uh, experiences I've ever had. Not highlight, but moving for his grasping the let the the heaviness of it, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, it shows you how cruel man is without God and uh, how mm. desperately we need God. And uh, so I pray that revival would hit 
our land, not only our land, but all across the world. But listen to verse 30. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? I, I just, I wanted to stop there and say, that's enough. What does the scripture say about whatever? Whatever, whatever the scripture says about gender, whatever the scripture says about salvation, whatever the scripture says about marriage, that settles it, Alex. That really yes. does settle it. And here it says, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir from the, with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, there it is again. Brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, Alex, those two words come up again and again. Brethren, or my little children, are free. And that brings us to chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, there he says it. He's going to finish out this book with this freedom that we have in Christ of the spirit that brings this life, the spirit that makes us who we are in Christ as he comes in. So, Alex, as he goes out of this Old Testament uh, illustration of what it is, free and bond, he comes in and he shares this liberty that we have has made us free. Notice he uses the word liberty and free in the same word, in the same verse, and then he uses entangled and bondaged in the same mm, verse. Kind of a contrast. It is a contrast, and he is saying, don't go back. Don't go back to that old way of living. Stay on track with Jesus Christ. I'd say that today as well. Amen. You know, a great, great, um, you know, parallelism or contrast, you know, free or bond, uh, grace or law. And if we've found that new life, our feet are on a new road. We've been born again. Let's not go backwards. Let's not return to that thing that God has delivered us from. Let's not go back to that thing God rescued us from. Now, verse uh, 5, here's a little interesting thing, I think. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Okay, we're free, we're not, to, we're not to grasp or work, and yet he says, stand fast. So it's almost like he's saying, um, work hard at keeping that thing that you didn't have to work for. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, stand strong in that thing that sets you free. I mean, you don't have to work to get saved, but if you're saved, be vigilant about your salvation. But sometimes, and I, I don't want to talk about myself, but sometimes people will ask me to sign a book. And I remember um, when I was at Liberty, Dr. Harold Wilmington, he, he was writing a book about every year, it seemed like. And frequently he would say, listen, I've got a brand new book coming out, and the first 500 students that come to the lobby, you get a free book, and if you want me to, I'll sign it. And Dr. Wilmington would always write in a book, God's best to you, exclamation mark, and he would sign it. Well, I got to write a book or two, and I thought, I wonder what I should write. Dr. Wilmington always had an inscription, and I prayed about it. And virtually always I'll write, keep Christ number one in your life, and then I'll sign my name. 
And that's, that's the motto. Stand fast. Uh, be vigilant about that thing you didn't have to work for. You know, keep Christ number one in your life. That's what Paul is saying, isn't he? It is. And matter of fact, he's picking up on what Isaiah said, what Jesus said. You remember this scripture? It's over in, in Luke. And, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Alex, <laughs> that's what Jesus came to do. And that's what yeah. Paul is reminding them of. Jesus came to set us free, the liberty to the captives, those that were incarcerated with sin, those that were oppressed, bondage from a cruel uh, master. And he has set us free, and whom he has freed, they're free indeed. We'll get to that. But that is the whole context. And he says, indeed, I, Paul, say to you, that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. You don't need mm. to go through that. Don't go by the law because it says, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who mm. attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. What a statement. Again, wow. I, before we get to that fallen to grace that can be and has been misused, Notice what he says here. It is so powerful. You have become estranged from Christ. You've, you've left him, and, and you're living your own life. This relationship you have that was good and, and great, it's like a husband and wife being estranged. One of them's gone astray. Christ is staying faithful. He is there. Come back to him. Don't you try to go some other way. Alex, uh, Paul is poor. I would say not only is he pouring out doctrine, he's pouring out his heart here. Well, he, he really is. And, you know, so much is in that word, you know, fallen from grace, uh, expiated, you know, cut away, you know. Um, and we don't want to be estranged from Jesus Christ. Uh, now, it goes on and he says, we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. I mean, Galatians 5, 5. How is all this done through the Spirit, born of the Spirit? In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God regenerates you, makes you alive. Through the Spirit, wait, hope, faith. I mean, verse 5 is just a brief little verse, but so full of rich truth. We wait for the hope of righteousness. See, one day you're going to be glorified. The Bible calls Christ's return and our eternity with him, the blessed hope. And how is it? Through faith, not works. Uh, and he goes on, in Jesus, you know, circumcision nor uncircumcision doesn't really matter, but faith uh, is, is the, the key. Okay, you did run well. Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? In other words, you were doing good. You, you put your faith in Jesus. You understood the gospel. Then you reverted back. Um, who changed you? Um, by the way, two common phrases are here um, in this one chapter, fallen from grace, which is a, a common phrase, and then a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah, those uh, are two. Not... They're that. Let me go to fallen of grace and make sure we got this. I don't want to spend a much more time on it, but it can be translated fallen out of the sphere of grace. In other words, you're not lost, but you're no longer living in that sphere. You're living by the law. 
are to have lost one's grasp of grace. In other words, you don't know what you're giving up by trying to go back to the law. And he said, don't do that. And again, uh, he makes it plain. And that hope, hope of righteousness, that lets us know it's not lost salvation, that we have our hope of righteousness in Christ Jesus, Alex. And like you said, uh, the whole leaven, leaven at the whole lump, that's going to come mm-hmm. up in verse 7, and or verse 8, I guess, is 8 and 9. And uh, so here we have Paul using these word pictures. Again, fallen. Uh, you were up here, and you're no longer living on that realm. You're living on a different realm, and I want to compare that to walking in the Spirit. You, you walk in the Spirit. You don't want to walk in the flesh. You catch it? In other mm-hmm. words, you're living on a higher plane when you're living by grace. You're living in a higher plane when you're walking in the Spirit. When you come and try to walk in the law, walk in your own flesh to prove that, you're walking on a lower level. God doesn't mm. want that. He, is, he wants us up there walking in the Spirit. Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, I like that, what you said, walking on a lower level. I mean, if we think we add standards and our, our own preferences and our works to it, uh, we've, we've diminished the gospel. See, here's the thing. We can't add to the gospel. And, in fact, if we attempt to do that, we end up with something less than the gospel. Bert, have you ever heard a preacher say, you know, we're saved by grace through faith plus nothing, minus nothing. You ever heard a preacher I say have. that? Yes, I have. See, that that's one of the, I mean, this is part of what makes the gospel message so unique. If you try to change it or somehow make it better or improve on it, it's not the gospel anymore, <laughs> it is, is it? It's diminished. Uh, I mean, You that, can't, can't improve on perfection. You cannot. It's already there. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. And that number, by the way, 888 589-8840. Alex and I love to talk with you. Love to hear your question. So call 888-589-8840. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was. All the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead. But they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A friend of mine who pastors a church in Nigeria once said to me, you know, America has sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation before it. But the nation that once sent missionaries has now become the mission field. As you consider the calling God has for you, I just want to remind you that just as other nations need missionaries, we need missionaries in America, too. 
there are a lot of neighborhoods right here in our country that desperately need evangelism and discipleship. Let's not forget about them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 16, says, In your presence is fullness of joy. A pastor in my hometown rarely smiled and never laughed in church. He wouldn't let newlyweds kiss at their own wedding. A great guy, but he mistook seriousness for reverence. One day he attended a class I was teaching. I held up a dollar bill and said, They say money talks. What does your money say? That pastor surprised us all when he blurted out, Bye-bye. Well, the room exploded with laughter. He later said to me, I'm so sorry, I can't believe I did that. I assured him that no apology was necessary because he brought a great moment of joy to the class. We need to be joyful Christians. Even in deep sorrow, Jesus always brings joy to the table. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back. We're going to go to your calls. The number is 888-589-8840. Bert and Alex here. So honored to hear from you. And Bert, we've uh, got a, a, a full and filling call board. So I say we go straight to it. You I'm ready? ready. Ready to go. Okay. We're to the first. The beautiful state of Mississippi. We're going to talk with William. William, thanks for holding. And you're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Well, I sure appreciate you uh, picking me up pretty quick because i got to go outside. But okay. I'm a long-time listener of Bert and Alex. Been listening for many years, probably as long as you've been on there. Well, I'm almost thank you. 80. And I, I, this is what I was calling about. I know this is probably true, what Alex, you just said about this is going to hurt me more than it does you by disciplining a child. But there's a lot of cases where... Uh, uh, fathers or mothers are falling to the trap of working away. I worked offshore for a major corporation for over 12 years, and my wife was always calling me up, telling me what this kid did, this, what they And she always told mainly my son, where do your father get home? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I, I'm telling you, yeah, uh, let me tell you, I with my mom and dad, and this is just my childhood, my mom could discipline me, and it did a pretty good work. When my dad took care of it, it did the work. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, there was, uh, I don't know everything that means, but uh, it can you, I just want to take time out, though, for those that do not have the other spirit parent coming home and it's all on one uh alex we pray for those single parents uh, yeah you know it's so rough i know when i'd come home 
with three boys. Uh, sometimes Jan had been there all day, especially in the summer with them home and them there. Uh, it was a relief for me to come home. I was ready to see them anyway, and it gave her some time uh, to recoup, you know. So uh, well, God knew what he's doing when he gave two parents. And, and you know, Hebrews makes the analogy of receiving discipline from an earthly father, and we really need to follow and reverence and be disciplined by our Heavenly Father. Uh, you remember um, 2 Corinthians 5.11, I believe it is, and this is talking to Christians, says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, about discipline and, you know, Paul correcting the Galatians and us trying to, you know, hold each other accountable and things like that. Uh, listen, God, our Father, is the one that we'll all give an accounting to. And so discipline for the Christian and within the body of Christ is a good thing, isn't it? It is. William, do you have something else? I know uh, you paused a moment, and I may have pounced on it too quickly. Go ahead. Let, let me say something quickly. All right, that that is true what I said. But the thing about a parent falling into the trap of taking the word of another person, your wife or whoever, you want to believe them, but sometimes they dramatize it, and you're, you're coming home from uh, offshore burnout tired, and then she confronts you and you tell you on the phone, you just be prepared for it. But the thing about it is, when you take it and you're not there to see what's going on, and, and you take in another person's word, and then you discipline a child with whatever, a belt or hand or whatever, you know it's really hard to carry out that kind of punishment when you don't really know the whole story. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm proud our Heavenly Father knows the whole story, William. It really does uh, say something. It says something. William, thank you for your call. It says something about parenting here today, but also God and how he knows the truth and what he, he disciplines out of love and any discipline that parents have should be that way as well, out of love. Well, we're going to speak with Van up in, uh, I believe it's Minnesota. Van, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, thanks really for holding. Welcome. To to yeah, thank you. Um, I always want to tell you guys, thank you for all you do at uh, Family Radio. Uh, it's always a blessing. Um, I, I know the gentleman said I don't need to apologize, but I called you guys one time uh, back uh, in May, and I was so nervous because you guys were giving thanks to mothers. I was trying to say thanks to her, but I forgot Jesus' mother, and I said birth mother instead of saying Mary. So I'm so sorry. And the, the reason I'm saying I'm sorry is because it came at the time when uh, – uh, a lot of, uh, I think they were changing birth, they were saying birth mothers or something around that time or something like that. And I really want to apologize for that. Oh, hey, no, you're fine. But my, <laughs> but my question is, God gives us gifts. How do we know what gifts he gives each of us? Good question. I love a question like that. I want to share with you pastors love those kind of questions because that means we tell you start serving serving to find out i found out yeah you can take tests you can go online and google spiritual gifts test and you can get them and i'm not saying they're not effective they're all right 
But, Alex, I, I would just want to tell you, start serving the Lord, and you'll find out what your gifts are. You really will. Uh, you'll find out not only who they are, what it is, but usually find out which age group or what group of people it, the gift works best with if there's a group like that. Uh, serve the Lord. And I know I, that sounds like I'm on a, on a drum repeating that and again, but that's how most of the folks that I pastored for over 40, uh, for 40 years, that's how mm-hmm. they found out what their spiritual gift was by serving. Amen. That, what a blessing the local church is, because in the church, from toddlerhood to being a senior adult, I mean, in the church, sure, you're going to hear the gospel. Uh, there is socialization. You make friends, but you serve on committees. You learn leadership. You might learn music, get in the choir. And you know what, uh, Bert, I, I really I don't know that we, we thank God often enough for what the local church is. And I've said this on the show, um, in, in the church, I found myself. I mean, obviously, I'm, I found the Lord Jesus through Macedonia Baptist Church. But Bert, um, in the church, helping out with youth, helping out with the men's breakfast, being asked to be an usher. Then Milton Ferguson took me on visitation, and I learned how to share the gospel message. And then I mean, you learn things, and eventually you do find your gifts, um, and you, you find areas where maybe you're not so well-suited, and, and that's okay, because, look, not every Christian can effectively do every single role, and say you're, you're real good over here, and somebody else God is going to raise up is, is over there. And so uh, the local church is such a blessing because it's like this incubator for developing character, it leadership, is. developing people, isn't it? It is. You're just talking about finding out what it is not. Uh, my best friend in junior high, elementary, junior high, and high school, we, we were best men in each other's wedding, Bud Davis. He is a pianist, a great guy. Uh, he, he, was, he helped me come to the Lord, uh, sharing truth with me. Uh, you know, when he got to be close to college age, he said, I believe the Lord's got something for me. And he automatically thought it was preaching. He tried preaching two different times, and he went back and he came to church. This is not it. This is not what God wants for me. And he didn't just walk away. Don't walk away. Admit it if it's not what it is and find out. And now he's been serving the Lord, playing the piano, being a witness for years on years. So serve the Lord, and I think he will reveal to you what your gifts are. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, going over to Kansas, Danny in Kansas, welcome. What's your welcome, question on you. Yeah, on exploring the Word? What's your question? Uh, one of them is uh, on 1 Kings 10, 14, and also 2 Chronicles 9, 13. It says the same thing. It's in the NIV. It talks about the weight of gold that, that's coming in to Solomon, I think, on a daily basis. It says it weighed 666 talents. Is there any, any uh, significance to the 666 talents of gold? Uh, the, the amount of gold that it came to Solomon in one year, 603 score and six talents of gold. You know, I, I don't know. I, I need to get, I have got a great old book from many years ago, E.W. Bullinger, 
number in Scripture. And I, it's, it's in my library. I don't have it within reaching distance. I can look that up, but just offhand, I, I really don't know if there's any significance, especially to that number. Bert, what do you say? I don't know of any. I mean, it happens to be the same one. And uh, sometimes there, there are numbers that are significant. I know that, and I make a big deal out of it. Some numbers is just information numbers. In other words, that's how much it could be, how much go, how many fish they caught. But let us know how many fish. Uh, seven days of the week, there are numbers that are so vital. I mean, one, uh, two, three, uh, six, seven, 12, 40, uh, 500, Alex, uh, 1,000. These are really important numbers. I'm not saying any of the others are not important, but some numbers are I think it's wrong to try to make a, a number something every time. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, and yes. that, So I'm interested in to find that. But that is interesting, Danny, to have that number because it's so significant. Uh, I, I want to know what Dr. Bullinger says about that too is, Alex. Yeah, um, so give us a, a day or so, and maybe we'll tackle that on Fireway Friday. But we'll, we'll come back to that. But um, how about we go over to Oklahoma? Craig in Oklahoma, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yeah, hey, uh, I was just listening to y'all just a little bit ago about talking about uh, where the Bible sort of talks about all in the way and and where Paul was talking about it. And I had an experience about a, two months ago, I guess it was, where uh, I told my uh, a friend of mine at church, you know, I said, you know, every time Brother Ben says a uh, the sinner's prayer, I have to say it right along with him. And he asked me, he said, are you saved? And I said, you know, I think. And he said, well, if you think, you ain't. And so him and I and Brother Ben, the pastor, you know, we, we, uh, uh, I, I know I am now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Amen. You know, I didn't, I don't know before, but I know I am now. I'm just curious. I'm, it, uh, for some reason, it just keeps bugging me. Was I before or was I not? And is that, you know, is that uh, is that something I should just go on? Okay, Craig. Amen. Brother, I want to tell you, I praise the Lord that you are saved and you know it. I just want to tell you this. I'll do this quick, Alex, and try to get to another call. But I know this. I was saved when I was 12, and I had doubts and I wondered. And at age 17, there was a surrender, full surrender of my life where I had complete assurance of my salvation. My assurance of my salvation, honestly, emotionally, and far as my growth, was more significant than it was when I was 12 years old. So, Craig, what you're doing, you're setting yourself up right now to grow and explode in Christ. I believe that with all my heart. Alex? Go ahead. Amen. I, I completely agree. And, you know, um, J. Vernon McGee, who was a great radio preacher, uh, I mean, incredible man of God. He's in heaven now, but J. Vernon McGee would say, he said he wasn't exactly sure when it happened. He had prayed the sinner's prayer to, to really make sure, but he knew that he was, and uh, he didn't know exactly the day. But, Craig, uh, God bless you, and I'm glad you're walking with the Lord now. Walk with the Lord from now on. Go follow. Amen. Amen. Austin in Arkansas. Uh, Austin, welcome. And uh, 
I don't mean to rush you, but time fleets away, so as quickly as we can get to your question, we're going to try to do that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I've actually called you guys here recently about a question about my faith and all that, and I had a question today. How do you find the right church? <laughs> Great, Great question. question. Alex, you I go ahead. I applaud you for asking that. Yeah. Well, um, se several criteria, and number one, pray about it, but it must, and this is more important than ever before, it must be a church that believes and preaches the Bible and not uh, about the Bible. But I've got to say, if I were joining a church today uh, and I would listen to the, you know, go to services, go to Sunday school, um, depending on where you are at your stage in life, I mean, if you have children, you want to make sure they have a good gospel-oriented children's ministry. But, Bert, if I were joining a church now, I would sit down and... Just heart to heart, I would say to the pastor, um, do you believe homosexuality is a sin like the Bible says? What do you believe about the nation of Israel? What do you believe about America? Uh, and now fortunately, for 14 years, I've sat under uh, Dr. Lawrence Clapp, who is an amazing, he's a sweet person, a dear shepherd, but he's a mighty preacher of the Word of God. But Bert... Um, their scriptural foundation, their, their spirit-led, gospel-centered ministry, and then they've got the love of the body of Christ. And so those are some of the criterion that I would say. Amen. I agree with you. I would do this, Austin. Notice what they say about Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece of it all. And you say, how does that connect with what Alex said? It does. What did Jesus say about marriage? What does Jesus say about gender, male and female? He create, You know, the whole idea, it, it all central part about Jesus Christ, who he is, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him, that the word of God reveals him, and it is inerrant, it is accurate, and it's authoritative. Check that out and see. And uh, make. I would add, are they doing missions? Are they sharing Christ in their community and around the world? Hey, Alex, we got another day in Galatians tomorrow. I can't wait, brother. I know it's going to be good, folks. You can go to AFR.net, AFR.net, and listen again or forward this link. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, though, tell everybody about Jesus. <laughs>